All right, this is Byron Horton with the Whitetail Experience Podcast. I appreciate everybody tuning in today, and I've got a pretty cool guest lined up, uh, a guy that's been doing this a lot longer than myself. Um, he's been in the game with several big whitetails, and he was just on the DeQuisto Series Podcast. Uh, Justin, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, you know, you and I have talked whitetails a, a fair amount, and I was I was really wanting to get you on here. Um, you're somebody that does it at a high level, um, and I work with you on the custom gear whitetail addiction side of things. Um, just amped to have you on the show, man. No, I'm I'm glad to be on. It's well, it's kind of funny because you and I talk like every day on the phone, and we'll get done talking about addictions, and an hour later, we're like, man, we should record that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some of these conversations and, and I'm able to ask selfish conversations as a guy that's like, man, I, I can pick his brain like, you know, one on one, which is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I think at, at this point, why don't you give us just the 30 second who you are, um, you know, where you're located and, and obviously talk about a little bit about the addictions thing and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. OK, so um, born and raised in Ohio. I uh, grew up uh, probably 45 minutes uh, south of Cleveland, um, moved to central Ohio back in 98, and um, lived in this area ever since. Um, I'm, a little, I'm a little more north of, of Columbus now than I, than I used to be. Um, built, a, uh, built a new house up there two and a half, three years ago. Um, and got started like a lot of people do with the, you know, my grandfather was the one um, kind of pushed me in that direction. Well, he didn't really have to push very hard. I just, I wanted it. And, um, and then um, um, over the years, just kind of like we all do, you know, you just uh, want to step your game up and, and got to a point where probably about, I don't know, probably 20 years ago now, um, quit gun hunting, uh, for deer. Um, I still like to, I, I like to gun hunt, uh, for turkeys, but, um, deer, um, I kind of just gave it up because I always kind of had this image in my, my mind of a, a bow hunter growing up was my, my grandfather, he had been friends with Roger Rothar and, and Roger was always a traditional archery, uh, guy. Um, actually hated gun hunting um and um and then reading Roger's books and Miles Keller and then later becoming friends with um Andre um these guys were all just bow only guys and once you get a taste of of that situation of having that deer at 15 20 yards and being in a tree stand and and I, once you do that just kind of put the gun down and never pick it back up again. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you a little bit because I think my generation, like I know the name Miles Keller. I have heard the name uh, Roger. What, how do you pronounce his last name? Roger Rothar. Okay. So I have heard both those names, but I have even asked Cody a little bit more detail on Miles Keller. Um, those were the guys that you, it sounds like we're looking up to uh, years ago before, before TV you know, and what were these guys doing? I guess what, what, what kind of makes these notable names? Cause I've heard them, but I don't know why I know of them. 
Well, uh, so Miles was a guy that was out there and he was kind of bow hunting and bow hunting specific bucks um, long before it was ever cool to do that. Oh, wow. Um, these guys were, um, they were already in the game on chasing one specific buck with a bow and we're doing it at a high level. Um, Roger Rothar was actually shooting like uh, Pope and Young and Boone and Croc uh, Crockett class animals when he was back in the 19, like the early 60s. Oh, wow. Okay. And no trail cams, very limited technology. Was he doing it from the ground? Um, some from the ground. A lot of times he was just climbing trees. Like with crotch boards probably or, or a variation yeah. of something like that? Yeah. A lot of times just standing on limbs. Oh, wow. That's, that is, that is wild. Yeah. And I mean, and they, and you know, they were doing it at a pretty high level. I remember uh, being in high school and there was, I don't know if it was a North American whitetail article or whatever, but Miles Keller had this picture and it was this barn picture. It's like, you know, the classic barn picture with all his bucks up there. I don't have and enough bucks for that. And <laughs> Oh, you will. <laughs> And uh, I remember seeing that picture and I remember and reading this story I and mean, it was all about the, it was about hunting the wind and understanding the wind or whatever. And this was probably like back in like, well, I was in high school. So it was in the nineties, early nineties. So, um, and I remember seeing that and this guy just had this wall full of giant bucks and I was like, God, you know, and just wanting, wanting to, understand that and, and and try to get to that level or and and have or just have opportunities that deer like that yeah and um i was in awe with it and um and and then later on like stumbling across like roger rothar's stuff and trying to um you know dive into uh, you know like his whitetail magic book and stuff like that and and try to learn as much as i as i could and and these guys were just, they're shooting a, a ton of big deer, like, you know, long, long time ago. And then later, you know, coming into contact and becoming friends with Andre and then seeing, and then seeing those walls. Yeah. And, and um, I don't know, it's just something, you know, I've always been somebody that, you know, I've always been goal or, you know, always, you know, have goals in mind and things that I want to achieve. And, and I seen that and I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So I think you have a very cool story of, of purchasing a stand, but also kind of meeting Andre and him calling you back. Tell, tell the listeners that story. Cause that didn't get talked about on the Quisto series. And I think it's a cool story. Yeah. So, um, I had, I bought a lone wolf stand. I don't know where I'd bought it from, bought a stand and there was something, I think it was a climber or something, uh, at the time. And, and I, I wanted to return it or something. And uh, I wanted to go with the sticks because the sticks were coming out at that time or something like that. Well, and I remember calling at the time and it was like probably October, November. So, you know, Andre's a hard guy to get a hold of during that time frame. So, but I remember he called me back and it wasn't anybody that was working in the office or anything like that. It was the man, you know, calling me back. And I remember um, striking up this conversation and like, and, and I now, remember. Now, did you know Andre 
at this no. time did you know like okay so you you just knew, knew he worked for lone wolf yeah i okay. knew of him okay um and you know and have and i'd read some stuff some things on him and like you know kind of going back to barn pitcher there's this old you know pitcher that he did years ago too it was uh, mm -hmm. um with a bunch of his bucks um on this blacked out wall or whatever and i just remember seeing that and got in a conversation started talking and one thing led to another i mean next thing i know i'm on the phone with him for an hour hour and a half and we're talking about you know he's telling me you know hunting strategies i'm kind of telling him oh, this is kind of what i've been going through and and just kind of struck up a friendship um and, and what time it, when is this like rough date 2000 like i guess let, let's i would i would say this is probably 2002 okay somewhere in that time frame but over that time period like he and i remember that day too like he's like here's my cell phone number Oh, wow. Call me anytime. I'm like, okay. Well, and it's kind of funny at that time. I was like, man, I don't want to bug this guy. You know, he's probably getting pulled in a thousand different directions or whatever. And um, um, a while went by or whatever, and and he'd called me and says, hey, what's up? How's your season going? And I was like, you know, kind of shocked, you know, like thinking, man, why is he calling me? You know, kind of thing. So then after that, we just kind of really hit it off then. And then shortly after that, I think it was 2005 ish is when he was like, Hey, do you film your hunts? And I said, no, I've never, I've, I've, I've always thought about bringing a video camera to the woods, but I've never done it. He said, well, we're going to start this TV, TV show, Whitetail Addictions. And uh, I said, okay. And that week I went out and bought a camera. It was like a $300 camera or whatever. And you know, I just started kind of running around and, you know, filming, you know, velvet bucks and yeah, other, you know, whatever I, I guess any deer, um, I had, I hadn't, I really didn't have a clue what I was doing at that point. Started watching some shows, you know, TV shows and stuff like that to try to pick up on ideas. And, um, and then the show came out and that first year, um, it was all the, it was all the footage from the year past so yeah. i was filming for the the following year yeah and um and i was like dead set on like i am shooting a a buck on video for the show this year okay had you killed a couple good bucks i guess let's uh i want to kind of we'll, we may circle back to this but like once you talked to andre you started developing that friendship you bought obviously some sticks from him um but had you killed a few bucks when you said, I'm going to film for addictions or what, what, what did your resume start looking like at that point? Yeah, I only had, um, at that time, I think maybe I had maybe two or three like Pope and Pope and young class bucks. Yeah. When I say Pope, when I say Pope and young class bucks, I, I do hear guys say, yeah, I, I, I killed a Pope and young class buck. And then it's, and then I hear guys, then I find out it was like they shot it with a, with a gun. Well, that's not technically a Pope and young deer you know the pope and young record book i right definitely want that to be clear like that is an archery record book now do i have any of those bucks registered no because i just don't care but yeah to to do that but yeah i probably had two or three at that point okay okay so you bought the stand and sticks and you're talking to andre i guess like what was some of those like coaching lessons or stuff that you would 
hear him talk about that, then you'd turn around and, and, you know, in 2003, 2004, you're, you're turning around and applying here in the woods in Ohio. Like what was some of those big sticking moments from him? Yeah. Some of the things were, um, some of the big things were, I, I remember one particular story. I just gotten a piece, I just gotten access to a piece of property and it was like in July or something like that. So I was like, well, you know, nervous to go poking around like in it, like it wasn't a big piece and I didn't want to go. And, and I remember him saying to me, cause I knew of a, there was a good buck on it and I'd seen that deer in, uh, in the beans. Okay. And then that's when I tried to get permission on it and then got access to it. And I said, okay. I said, I, and I was like nervous about, you know, the whole thing about if you bump a deer out of there, then they're gone forever and you're never going to see them again or whatever. I remember one of the things he said, he goes, he goes, hey, just who cares? He's like, just go in there. He's like, go in there and walk, go in there and walk until you, until you bump the deer out of his bed. And I remember doing that that year. And I did just that. I jumped that deer right out of the bed, like right in front of me. And I remember even like, screw this all up or what, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, but I got in there and was able to do a lot of scouting and learn that piece instead of like going about it the way that I used to go about it uh, and work, you know, just working the edges of it and not wanting to go in there and mess anything up. And um, because of just doing that, I, I knew so much more about that piece and that helped me a lot that year. Yeah. How, um, how big is the piece? Uh, the, I think maybe, maybe it's like 25 or 30 acres. Okay. But, but enough people, for several ambush points enough to, to I'll manipulate deer and stay out of certain areas. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, 20 or 30 acres is way different than five. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's good to, to kind of tie that thick, in. In a thick 25 or 30 acres. Okay. You know, so I may even hunt bigger than that. Yeah, that that kind of like um, the way that it laid, it did hunt a little bit bigger than. Okay. Now, when you jumped him out, what time of year was this? Like, probably July, August. Okay, so you you went in and and were really putting boots to ground. July, August, he jumps up, runs, runs, and you you essentially spend the next couple hours really, oh, essentially learning your ambush points for the fall. Yep, I just wrecked the place. Is what uh -huh. I did. I just went through every every nook and cranny of it. I wanted to know everything I could possibly at that time of year um, and try to pick up on any of the old sign that was there from, from the year before, because he was definitely an older buck. And yeah, he and, could have your year over year sign. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, you know, something to where maybe I could go back and, you know, he's never been, Andre's never been big on a hunting year old sign. Um, but one of the things I, I've also picked up along the way too is like, yeah, you might be, you might know of some year old sign, but one of the things that I do and something I kind of picked up from him is like going back and maybe you're, maybe you're scouting and, and you're using binoculars from afar and that year old sign um, you're seeing opening back up again. And if you know all that information before from when you went in there and scouted that that piece and you see a lot of that same sign all popping up from what it did before we well, already have some of that in the back of your mind so then that's when the game begins and you can start to you know 
hunt that deer and uh, based off of that old old sign. Very cool. Well, I guess how did the tail of that buck wrap up before I kind of moved to my next point? So I um, stayed after that deer uh, most of the year. He he disappeared uh, for a while during during that season. Um, I think I think he summered there. He was there and through early October, and then he left out of there at some point in October, and um, the deer was completely gone off off yeah, that property. You only got 30 acres to work with. Yeah, it was actually the week of gun season, or, pro, or a couple days before gun season. I had um, went over there to scout on, in an evening and seen him. Um, and was like, wow, he's back in here. And I literally sat and watched that deer for two nights in a row, come out of the same location, um, but always with an east wind and where I, and how it set up and where I thought the deer might be bedding. I had to wait for a west wind. So I watched the deer for two nights, went in there when the wind switched to the west and killed him that night. Oh, wow. So you did catch I, I, back up with him. Yep, I did a hang. I, yep, I it was a hanging hunt that night and killed him. Man, from seeing him from an observation. Yep, yep, and he was a nice. He's like hundred, you know, hundred fifty four inch ten, and, and at the time that was my biggest buck, and I was, you know, on cloud nine. But you know, a lot of that stuff goes back to him because of you know some of these conversations that we've had and some of the things that you know he kind of you know led me down that path a little bit. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, and this is just me speaking, like um, if I see that buck in the beans, I'm not sure I go in and scout and, and blow him out. But did that, that summer Intel that, that you gathered that day after bumping him, do you feel that obviously like seeing him the night before is like the, you know, the icing on the cake, but that's that, that summer Intel, did that play a part? Do you feel in killing him or just kind of seeing that you can bump a deer and, and kill him was, was a pretty cool thing. I think that was it, right? More of that right there was okay. the fact that I could bump a deer and not blow him out of an area. To me, I just thought that was always like, man, I can't do that because, man, that deer will, he'll be gone forever. And, and so, but by me going in there and bumping that deer, that deer never left until later in October. Um, so he was there the entire time and all the sign was there too. I just couldn't catch up to him earlier in October before he, he left out um, and was running around on some other properties. But then now, was, was, was this one of your like first uh, single, single buck kind of target missions? Like I'm going to hunt this buck. Um, you know, what, I guess you're shaking your head. Yeah. That, that was kind of one of your first, it, it, did that just snowball? And that's kind of what, Oh, you know, you started doing from then on was targeting a specific deer or talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So after I did that, that's one that really like when I had a certain deer in mind and when I seen it through and made it happen, that really, um, that changed everything for me. That's when I was like, man, I don't want to hunt just random deer out of state on an out of state hunt. I will for sure. But here at home, I'm not doing that. I'm picking out a deer or two and I'm sticking to my guns, and those are the bucks, you know, that I'm going after. 
Okay. I think that's really cool. Cause like, uh, you and I have talked and, and, and you, you said, you know, when you go out of state, it's, it's very similar to almost how I kind of spend my whole season, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm just looking for one good one. Yeah. I may get a trail cam pick or, or catch a sighting of a good one and try and hunt them for a few days or, or target that area. But like, I'm not, I, I'm full, full send on, on something that, that I deem a shooter. I'm not going to hunt just one. Um, so backing up just a little bit, obviously you were trading in a climber, weren't happy with it, went to the stand and sticks was, um, talk about that. Like your first couple seasons of running around stand sticks, uh, mobile hunting, was that something that you had done a little bit beforehand or were just kind of dabbling in and, and how did meeting Andre and obviously the products, how did that process look? Well, so running around with a climber is you're, you're so um, restricted on what you can do, um, in my opinion. And this is based off of, you know, having a couple of seasons under my belt where that's what I was doing, um, was, was out there running around with the, with the climber. Uh, the big advantage to, and a lot of times I would pick maybe I'm like, well, that's the tree just because of the way it's shaped. Oh you know, yeah. You're always looking for that climber friendly tree. I ran around several years with climber. Yeah. And you know how that goes because when, when you're doing that, it's like, you know, you're sometimes you're, you could be 20 yards off the mark of, uh, you know, of getting, you know, getting the, you know, the buck that you're after where once I started to use, you know, the sticks and the, and the hang on, well, that's when I started to hunt, you know, just not the area, but the tree at that point, that's when, you know, I could set up right exactly where I thought based off of what I was seeing or, or what sign I was seeing or whatever and, 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 and get close enough to get that 20 yard shot. Cause yeah. I wasn't doing, I wasn't, I was seeing a lot of good deer before that, but there were so many times that climber took me out of a contention of killing that deer. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, did it cost you a buck or two or anything like oh, that? For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah just because I'd be that, you know, that, that 10 or 20 yards off the mark. And, and, and then I think it cost me some bucks too along the way because, okay, so yeah, I was 10 or 20 yards off the mark, but then the way the deer would end up working um, around and and getting out of range, but, but then, you know, end up cracking me. And, and, and then, man, as soon as they, as soon as they do that, it's a, it's a whole different ball game then. Now you're, you're playing with the deer that knows you're in there hunt, hunting them. And now I'm a big believer on a dog knows your smell. Can't tell me a deer doesn't know your smell. I, I, yeah. Yeah. You I could take a blind dog, a blind dog. You're say your dog's blind and could walk into a room and that dog knows your smell. And a hundred percent a white tail. And once they crack you, they know your smell. Sure. Oh man, that is a that is a cool concept and thought. That is that is wild. So so you went to the standing sticks, and I gotta think you like everybody else. You go outside to your backyard, you hang that thing, and you're like, "Good lord, that was 35 minutes." And then you do it again, and it becomes, you know, easier and quicker. And then you do it for a whole season, and you're like, "You'll never go back." No, huh. no, because yeah, once you once you get into that whole way of hunting it's like man why you know why in the world haven't i been doing this uh, you know a lot sooner 
it's just it's so nice because you can just get in any kind of tree you know unless it's like gigantic you know huge tree and you can't get the straps around or something like that but but um it just it changes everything i mean it changes your whole mindset too it gives you a confidence level of of i think that you think that you're always in the ball game and you can always get it done because you can always be in position to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of bouncing back to your, Oh, I'm going to target one deer and I'm going to go after him kind of thing. Something I hear you. Oh, talk about a lot um, is scouting, whether mm-hmm. it be trail cameras, glassing. Um, I, actually that word in general is something I feel the addictions guys as a whole um, use a lot. And, and, they, you know, you and these guys, they're searching for that one, that shooter for them because it's a, you know, some of these guys, that's a very high caliber. Talk about your process to finding these couple shooters um, a year kind of thing. What does that look like? So every year. So one thing I'm always doing is constantly trying to find new ground to hunt. As soon as season ends, I am like back to that again. I don't ever count on just because maybe I have eight or 12 spots to hunt. I don't always count on, yes, I'm going to have those for sure again next year. Like just things change. People sell properties. Um, people, you know, have family, you know, relatives that start hunting the property. What are, there are always like some changes. So I'm always trying to find new pieces. So um, it kind of, you know, I love the shed hunt. I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in shed hunting. Um, the, especially if I find a shed in a field or something like that, like it's great to have those, uh, you know, they're fun to pick up and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, now if I find, a, if I find a good shed in in a bedroom of a deer, um, that's a different story. Sometimes that tells me, okay, this is what I kind of confirm, you know, this is kind of confirming of what I thought and based on the sign, the shed and everything, you know, everything's there to see. Um, but going into the summer, um, I run a lot of cameras, um, because I'm a busy guy. Um, I have 11 year old son, wife, um, my wife and I both work full-time jobs. We're super busy. So last year, for example, I ran 42 trail cameras. Okay. Across how many States and, and you don't have to say properties, but I know that's not all here. Yeah, so I so that's over here. It's between eight to twelve properties over four different counties, and then um, and then like last year, um, two properties in Illinois, mm-hmm. and and that can be a job in itself. But um, I'm just looking for maybe certain bucks that I know from years past, maybe that I hunted, or maybe that I let go to see go another year or you know a new random you know big deer that's moved into the area or something like that um i i mean it's fun to get all those velvet pictures and stuff like that but the one thing i don't do is put a ton of stock in that because sometimes they might summer on me and then they might be somewhere else come the season once i get hard horn pictures for say you know you know, two, three, four weeks kind of thing. I'm like, okay, now I know I'm in, you know, I'm in the ball game. Yeah. To go after this deer. 
Now, obviously, the, that many properties, a lot of cameras. Um, I got to think you don't have the time to hang stands on all those properties. I got to believe, you know, part of the, the mobile hunting aspect to, to how you do this is, you know, yes, you can hang trail cameras and stuff like that, be in and out. But, you know, once you get a picture, kind of are zeroing in on, say, a farm or, or two to two bucks, are you then just mobile hunting throughout the season? Maybe, you know, one or two stands that are in traditional good pinches or, or the best oaks, whatever. But like, tell me a little bit about what that process looks like once you're honing in on, on these one to two bucks here in your core state. Well, I, there is, I mean, I do have a lot of stands um, that I, you know, that I have on properties that are just kind of good spots every single year. And I, I, I leave sets up or whatever. Um, and a lot of the properties I hunt too, you know, I have food plots in them, you know, oh, yeah. stuff like, and stuff like that. Um, and, but the, that's not always where I end up killing the deer. Sometimes a, a perm, like a stand that I have on a property is maybe my starting point um, based upon maybe I don't have, maybe I don't have it a hundred percent figured out on maybe where that deer is coming out or what he's doing or whatever. And maybe I might start back from afar and then kind of like, um, you know, like, uh, you know, the old, uh, you know, spokes on a wheel, you know, and kind of, you know, work my way in. Yeah. Um, so to speak until, you know, until I, I, I get where I want to, but the one thing I do, um, I, I do stay patient until, um, I do see either something from a stand or from a camera, um, that makes me think that it's go time. And then that's when I just go for it. Yeah. It's just, it's either all or nothing. Okay. That's cool. Now, backing up a little bit, how, uh, if you look at your, your last, say, 10, 15 bucks, how many of these are coming from uh, the, the secondary type moves where you may sit in a permanent and then make a mobile drone strike on this deer? Just a percentage. Um, percentage, probably, I would probably, I, I would say probably 30%. Okay. Of them. Yeah, which, I mean, that's, that's substantial as far as I'm, I'm actually a little surprised it's not higher but I mean if you know you you I feel like we we talk you know kind of uh you're a real big believer in these yearly patterns yeah and well and the other thing too is like I know my farms you know okay. I know these these farms and I think sometimes you know sometimes you might pick up a new farm it might take you a year or two um to figure out exactly that farm and how to hunt it um and now sometimes i figure it out like real quick and um and things just come together really quick but typically it seems like it takes a little bit of a process to get there until i can kind of get it you know zeroed in a, a little bit and then um you know then it seems like my success goes way up like like farms that i've hunted for a long time sometimes if a big deer gets you know if, a, if i'm after a particular deer I mean, I just might set back and wait just because I know how to hunt that farm. And then as soon as the opportunity, as soon as I think the opportunity is there to kill that deer, I just, I, I move in. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, most of the time, it's one or two sets. Nice. Either I got, either I have the deer killed or um, now the work 
has begun because he's figured me out. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. That's cool. You know, um, I, I have an 18 acre family farm and, you know, I, I would say I, I have a few things dialed there where I probably have one of the best like cruising shelves slash there's also a terrain feature. Like I know if I hunt that pretty decent come, come the rut, you know, if there's a big one in the general area, I've got a pretty good crack, but, um, that's, you know, like I, I can see where, okay, it took me a few years to find that. And then it's, it's really more of a game of staying out until it's, it's, it's right. Um, so I think that's very cool. Oh yeah. And like, and when you're hunting smaller properties like that, that's something you, you have to, you know, you have to be patient and just let some things kind of develop. Um, you, you know, last year I killed my buck on maybe five acres. Yeah. Three to five acres. And it was, I went set for that deer one evening, just, just to maybe get a glimpse of him or, or, or whatever. But I knew it was a safe in and out and maybe just one set. And then I backed off and said, okay, I'll just wait and let things develop. And, and, and then it, and then it did shortly after that, where when you and, say develop, uh, do you just mean you went for that hunt and you just didn't see him or trail cameras weren't telling you he was daylight active or he wasn't there? Just elaborate a little more on that point. So I went in knowing that the deer was there. I knew of that deer for three years. Um, and I went in and prior to this, so back up a few years ago, I passed the deer a, a couple times on video when he was, I thought he was a three, three-year-old. Then last year or the year before, um, he came out one time and, um, and I would have shot him that night, but I had a doe and a couple fawns coming behind me and she got kind of squirrely on me. He didn't like the situation and left. And then I, I was after another deer at that time. So like a couple of days later, I ended up killing that buck on another farm. So I never hunted this deer again. After that, I was just like, okay, cross your fingers. Hope, hopefully, you know, hopefully he lives. So then this year, so when I went in there to hunt that deer, this time I was like, I just want to see him and just see what he's doing. And hopefully I can get a crack at him. If, if not, then I'll let things progress on my cameras and tell me when to move in. Well, then he's got real active in the mornings and it was like mid-October, you know, and there's that whole rule that we're not allowed to hunt you know, mornings in October, was, you know, somebody wrote that somewhere, or put that <laughs> out there. And, um, and uh, so, um, sorry, a couple of people are just leaving the office. <laughs> and um, so, uh, um, but he was like, three days or two days in a row, he had walked, he'd came into that food plot in broad daylight. So I'm like, well, I got to, you know what, my cameras aren't lying. I got to dive in there and, and see if I can't get a crack at him. Yeah. And, um, and he just read the script. He did exactly what I was hoping he was going to do. Yeah. And this, this whole hunt will play out. Um, oh, on the whitetail addictions web show. That's, that's going to be coming out. We'll, we'll touch a little more on this before we wrap up, but Justin, we're coming up on time here, but I wanted to kind of, Oh, a little hard transition here, but something I feel like, you do really well that is a oh a, a, a bullet point on my list here is 
is these little life hacks to being a good deer hunter, but also balancing life, work, uh, you have a son, uh, you know, just being a good husband. You do a lot of these little things, pinching, you know, hours out of the day to, to, to make sure your, your whitetail addiction's fed, but also, you know, balancing being a good deer hunter in life. Yeah, because there's that balance that we all have to do. I mean, when we have families, one of the, you know, what you know we're we're selfish as serious whitetail bow hunters you have um, to be yes because it takes a lot of time if you want to if you want to do this and have consistent success i don't i'm not a guy that i just want i want to i don't want to shoot a, a good deer every three or four years i want to shoot one if not two every single year have to work really hard at it. so one of the things that yeah I'll what are some of your little tips and tricks here to, to balance it well for one when it's not hunting season do everything your wife asked of you i mean all your to hunting to-do list and stuff like that just take care of that as much as possible um, when you can i mean sometimes on a weekend say i'm going to do a food plot or maybe i'm going to go you know, run some cameras and, and run some minerals and stuff like that. I mean, I might get up on a Saturday or Sunday at four o'clock in the morning. Right. Just so I can go bust this stuff out. I mean, there's times where I'm on, you know, on the tractor and it's completely dark and I'm tilling, you know, yeah. or maybe I'm mowing a food plot in the dark or whatever. So then that way I can knock all that stuff out and be home by 10 11 in the morning still and then and still have time to go do those things with my family and I you know I coached my son in baseball for a, you know a long time so there was a lot of times where I was getting up super early and knocking out all that stuff and then and then coming home and grabbing him and then we were going and and, and you know I was coaching his baseball team and he's he's playing and stuff like that so because i don't want to miss out on that stuff yeah yeah but i think that shows like most guys or, or guys that maybe you know are only killing a good buck every couple of years they're they're sleeping until eight or nine and then taking the kid to practice when they they if they'd have got up at four they could have got their 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 whitetail work in um yeah what other sure. little hacks do you maybe have or recommend or, or an example of something that you, you can think of i don't know probably um well, like I was saying before, probably just, you know, one of the things that's hard for me to do sometimes, and you might re relate to this too, is, is sometimes when you're at home and um, your buddies are calling and they're wanting to talk honey and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> that's uh, so sorry. hard. Sorry, guys. Sometimes I can't answer that call. Um, you know, you just got to, you know, kind of be a little more present when you're home and uh, make those you know, make those times count. And I'm not saying I'm perfect because that's, you know, there's plenty of times I do pick up those phone calls and stuff like that. Or, um, you know, just, you know, what about the, uh, the one that kind of we talked about is the planting of the seed where you, 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 you said, um, Oh, I was wanting to do some trail cam work. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've been running around doing X, Y, and Z. And you said, you know, well, well, approach it like this, you know, tell, tell the wife that, you know, you, 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 you know, just mention it in conversation. We're like, hi, you know, I'd like to get those cameras pulled sometime, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you put a rough time frame. I'd like to get those cameras pulled in the next two weeks. 
You know, that way she knows that that's a priority to you, but you don't necessarily say, Hey, I'm taking off tonight to go grab these trail cameras, you know, but like if, if then you approach it, say three or four days later, after you've, you, you, you know, had some home time, done some stuff, like it's just a little, she knows it's a priority to you and you're able to slip out and, and she kind of, Oh, grants you permission, if you will. Yeah. Well, yeah, because when you just spring it on them, they typically just don't like that. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> but when you, like you said, plant the seed and more ease into it over like, and have a game plan, like, and say, you know, it's a, it's a Wednesday and man, I really want to get over there and pull those cards or put, or put those cameras out or do whatever you're wanting, wanting to do of mentioning it and kind of and then it, it makes it easier when you got a plan in place it's always easier yeah right? yeah and she, she's known about it there's a prior conversations that that that, that happened oh for sure yeah yeah well th that's cool man i um I, you know i appreciate you hopping on here and before we let you go let's uh you know uh let the people know too about the the, the whitetail addictions web show that, that we're kind of oh in the, the closing phases of, of many a long hours. Um, let's kind of tell people about that because this will release next week. And that's like right around, I think two weeks from, from potential episode one, you know, if, barring technical difficulties, let's put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, make no mistakes. Byron's the man behind it. He's, he's, he's the one that's uh, producing and um, Keith and I are from afar co-producing um and um i feel like the episodes that we we have together now and like today we're talking about you know we're we've been looking over like you know the new opener and stuff like that so um we got a really awesome lineup of some hardcore diy guys that um you know self-filming um that's what it's 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 all about it's and um, we we will have probably what ten to twelve episodes. Yeah. And we will the first one will be aired um, June uh, I believe it's June third um, Thursday at eight o'clock. Yeah, barring any technical difficulties. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and we got a, a just an awesome lineup. Um, I think uh, you know we I mean there's several Boone I think there's like four Boone and Crockett class bucks. Um, yeah, they shot and a pile of other really, really good deer and some really just some good stories just of, of some really just normal everyday guys from all different walks of life. And that's what white televisions has always been about. It's always been about a bunch of different walks of life. But there's one thing that kind of brings us all together that we're addicted to big white tails with our bows self-filming and 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 then living a normal everyday life with a job and you know and, and doing the family duties as well yeah yeah i think i think you nailed it there it's it's uh also you know there's a guys from all over the u.s you know we got some guys out in, in idaho with troy some kansas bucks um guys hunting public private um small parcels uh, I think mo mobile hunting, obviously Andre, you know, films, uh, uh, you know, his, his video is pretty cool to see him back in action. Um, yeah. so, so I can't say enough cool things. And I, I do feel like white tail addictions and you and I have talked about this. 
it was kind of before its time. I think now people are thirsty for this kind of self-filmed, oh, wait, I, I can watch this and I can kind of replicate it to a level, obviously, you know. Um, and, and I'm really excited for, for this to come back and be a part of it. Um, I really, you know, appreciate you coming on, dude. No, I, I appreciate you having me. And I'm, I think it's going to be, we got a lot of good things to, to do over the next, you know, however many years, but, uh, and we'll get to do a little hunting together too. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's the that's plan. The best for, thing about it. Yeah. That's the plan for, for 2020. Well, guys, uh, Justin's going to be on here on a regular basis. Uh, he, you know, he's been doing it at a high level. And, and so, you know, it, it, these conversations are just going to grow and grow. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I foresee many of these conversations, sir. So if yep. you come on again, yep. we'd love it. Yep. I'm ready to start talking some tactics. So that's the stuff that I like to get into. Those are the, yeah, absolutely. Those are the conversations that always uh, spark my interest. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Justin, thanks again. I'm going to stop recording, but I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks.